This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, gave a national address in which he announced partial mobilization, meaning that Russians with experience in the army or the reserves may be conscripted. Sergei Shoigu, the defense minister, said that 300,000 reservists will be drafted. Mr. Putin also threatened the use of nuclear weapons and accused the West of plotting to destroy Russia. The Russian army has recently ceded huge tracts of occupied territory to advancing Ukrainian forces. On Tuesday, the lower house of Russia's parliament passed a bill mandating harsher penalties for deserting the army or refusing to fight. Mr. Putin also promised full support to four referendums in Russian-controlled parts of Ukraine, scheduled to begin on Friday. On Tuesday, officials in the regions of Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson and Zaporizhnia, which together make up 15% of Ukraine's sovereign territory, said residents would vote on whether to formally join Russia. Western governments expect the Kremlin to manipulate the results and plan not to recognise them. The Asian Development Bank cut its growth forecasts for emerging economies in Asia, including China and India. The region's growth rate estimate for 2022 has been revised down to 4.3% from 5.2% in April because of rising inflation and China's zero-COVID policy. China's economy is expected to grow by 3.3%, which would be a slower rate than other Asian emerging economies for the first time in 30 years. World leaders met in New York at the UN General Assembly, the annual UN summit held in person for the first time in three years. The war in Ukraine dominated proceedings as several leaders condemned Russia's invasion and pledged support to Ukraine. President Joe Biden and Volodymyr Zelensky, his Ukrainian counterpart, are scheduled to speak on Wednesday. Hurricane Fiona strengthened as it moved towards Bermuda and away from the Turks and Caicos Islands. Over the past few days, the storm has left a trail of disruption and destruction in numerous parts of the Caribbean. Thousands of homes in Puerto Rico remain flooded, and most residents are still without power and safe drinking water. Deaths have been reported in the Dominican Republic, Guadalupe and Puerto Rico. Germany finalised a deal to nationalise Uniper, the country's biggest natural gas importer. Under the stabilisation package, the federal government will inject €8 billion into the firm, which has been hit hard by the recent turmoil in energy markets. The government is also in talks with two other gas suppliers about potential takeovers as it seeks to avert an energy crisis. Eritrean troops began a large offensive in the Tigray region of Ethiopia, according to a spokesman for rebels there. Neither country's government has yet commented. In August, a fragile ceasefire between the Ethiopian government and the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, a party-cum-militia, fell apart. The two sides have been embroiled in a civil war since 2020, with Eritrea intervening on behalf of the government. And fact of the day. 49 million. The number of people trapped in slavery on any given day. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Another jumbo rate rise from the Fed. As recently as the start of June, 
It seemed inconceivable to most investors that the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point, a jumbo increase by modern standards. But on Wednesday, it is expected to announce its third consecutive increase of that magnitude. If so, the Fed will have lifted short-term interest rates from 0% in March to 3% today its sharpest monetary tightening in four decades. Frustratingly, there is scant evidence that the Fed's hawkishness has reined in inflation. Consumer prices in August were up by 8.3% compared with a year earlier, so some think the Fed may opt for an even bigger rate increase, but others worry that it is at risk of over-tightening and damaging growth. No matter... The Fed is unlikely to relent until it sees clear signs that inflation is receding. What next for Ukraine and Russia? Ukraine's army, having swept through Kharkiv province in the northeast, is still probing Russian lines. On Monday, it announced the capture of Bilohorivka in Luhansk province. The advance is symbolically important, as it denies Russia full control of the province the Kremlin claimed to have conquered in early July. The twin city of Lysychansk and Severodonetsk lie less than 20 kilometers to the east. Russian officials have responded by accelerating plans to absorb Luhansk and next-door Donetsk province into Russia. On Tuesday, officials from the Russian puppet regimes in those provinces announced that referendums, widely expected to be rigged, will be held from September 23rd to 27th. Meanwhile, on Wednesday, Russia's parliament could pass a new law enabling harsher punishments for soldiers who surrender or disobey orders. Mobilization, martial law, and wartime, three things that Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, has avoided declaring so far, are listed as aggravating factors. That suggests they may be on the way. An Awkward Anniversary in the Philippines Every year on September 21st, survivors of the cruel, corrupt regime of Ferdinand Marcos, the late ex-president of the Philippines, commemorate the anniversary of his declaration of martial law in 1972. That move transformed him into an autocrat. Their remembrances on Wednesday promised to be more heartfelt than usual. That is both because this year is the 50th anniversary of the declaration, and because Marcos's son, Ferdinand Bong Bong Marcos, now occupies the office his father once did. In May, an electorate mostly too young to remember the older regime voted overwhelmingly to make Bong Bong president. Survivors of the father's violent enormities were horrified. Yet anxiety among the opposition that a tendency towards autocracy runs in the Marcos blood seems unfounded so far. The younger Mr. Marcos's behavior since his inauguration in June suggests he believes that the best way for him to rehabilitate the Marcos dynasty is to respect the very democratic constitution written after a popular uprising overthrew his father in 1986. (music) 
Brazil's economy ahead of its election. Analysts expect policymakers at Brazil's central bank meeting on Wednesday to keep the country's key interest rate unchanged at 13.75%. The worst of Brazil's economic woes seem to be over. Having risen steadily since June 2020, monthly inflation fell in July and August. GDP grew by 1.2% in the second quarter compared with the first. The unemployment rate, which reached nearly 15% in 2021, has fallen to just above 9%. President Jair Bolsonaro, who was seeking re-election on October 2nd, claims that Brazil has emerged from the pandemic with a thriving economy. But that may be premature. Economists polled by the central bank expect the economy to grow by 2.7% in 2022, but by just 0.5% in 2023, as emergency spending fades away. Either way, Mr. Bolsonaro's boasts do not seem to have borne political fruit. Polls find the president trailing the opposition candidate and former president, Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva, by 12 percentage points. Most people with dementia get no support. At least 55 million people worldwide are estimated to have dementia, a number expected to reach 139 million to 150 million by 2050. Dementia, which may begin as a few senior moments but progress to utter helplessness requiring 24-hour care, is incurable. But it can be alleviated. Yet the vast majority with the condition receive little or no support from their governments. So says the latest report published on Wednesday of Alzheimer's Disease International, an umbrella group for more than 100 national associations around the world. The organization is named for the disease that is the most common cause of dementia. The report includes a survey suggesting that of those diagnosed with dementia, 37% in rich countries and 45% in lower-income countries receive no support after diagnosis. It is left to their families to look after them. And these are, in a sense, the lucky ones. Three-quarters of dementia cases are undiagnosed. That leaves more than 45 million people with dementia receiving no professional help. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you with a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday which politicians led the Labour Party to disastrous defeat in the 1983 British general election? Tuesday. What in maths is defined as the number of different digits that a system of counting uses to represent numbers? Finally, here's the quote of the day from H.G. Wells, who was born on this day in 1866. Our true nationality is mankind. 
That's The World in Brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.